Welcome back to episode 57 of the Something's Ruined Podcast, brought to you by the one and only Primetime Productions. You can follow them on Twitter at Primetime Prods. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at Bruin Something, no G at the end. And personally, you can follow myself on Twitter at underscore Mike Sullivan. And you can follow Nick on Twitter at Nick Melanson underscore. Before we jump into the day's events, um... Mel, how how's your week been since the last time that we recorded? Oh, it's been great. Also, I don't know if you saw my face. My you just joggled my brain with that intro. Yeah. It was my headphones are turned up way too loud. I, I had to make sure everybody's awake. <laughs> big day today. Big day today. A huge day today. Yeah, uh, no one's talking about it. Big signing. We'll get into it though. Um, <laughs> banner season back on. Yeah. Um, I've been good. I had a good uh, Labor Day weekend. I went down the Cape with uh, some of my buddies and some of my buddies' families. We played. Uh, we played golf, and nice. I have a listen. You golf a lot more than I do. Which, by the way, we never even talked about. Thank God we didn't. Our golf trip we had with <laughs> oh, yeah, oh, yeah. his buddy Nestor, where we absolutely destroyed them. I think we were both like ten <laughs> under. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was a round of my life. Uh, seven birdies, an eagle, and actually, I had a hole in one too. That was pretty yeah. cool. The unfortunate thing, though, is there was a freak rainstorm on the way to the parking lot, and the scorecard got soaked. Can't even read them anymore. So, mm-hmm. um, I know. But, but I plugged that because this weekend I went golfing down the Cape with my friends. New golf course. We went to uh, Dennis Pines in. Oh, Dennis nice! It's beautiful golf course. But what I was going to say was my one quarrel was that you know if you go golfing and you take a cart, you know you know you usually have to bring it in by you know nighttime when it gets dark out. Fine. I get it. But usually they have like rangers or whoever it is who usually come by pretty often, let you know, like, hey, you know, sunsets at whatever. Make sure you're in by then with enough time in advance. Right. Well, we get through the the, the front nine. We, we've we never played this golf course before. We just get to hole 10. And then the guy comes up. He's like, oh, yeah, you, you guys got about like six minutes left. You know, it's almost sunset. And we're like, what? Why didn't you tell us this like 15 minutes ago? Why haven't you been letting us know? So I don't I've played a couple different courses before and that's usually never been that way they usually always come by periodically and let you know how much time you have but you golf a lot more than i do is that like do they normally just come up once like when the sun's setting and like hey kick rocks well, they usually like in the mornings it's funny you said that because i went golfing as well on um sunday and i was our buddy cronin and we were same thing we were supposed to be in by 7 15 so we were like okay we made the turn probably had about like 45 minutes of sunlight left before we were supposed to bring the cart back in and no one ever came to check on us so we were like you know what like just keep playing and we just kept playing kept playing we finished up 18 as the sun was setting so it was kind of perfect but yeah normally on those with those circumstances they usually have somebody come around once or twice and just lets you know how much time you have left yeah, that's what I thought too. But 
It was all right. It was fine. I mean, there was, I mean, we, we paid for 18 and we only got, uh, we rushed through the last two holes. So we only got through 12. Um, but man, I took a huge L in the day. But before when I was talking about golf with Boosie the other week, clearly jokes because I suck. I am not <laughs> golf. Like I know how to do it. I know what I'm like, how to play. I'm just the actual execution is what I struggle with. I have one image in my, in my head. I, I step up to the box and I'm Tiger Woods, man. Like I've got. <laughs> My hips are going. I didn't even do a warm-up swing when I was with you. First yeah. hole, I just ripped the driver on my bag, went up, and I dinged it and went right into the trees. And uh, <laughs> I blamed it on my lack of a warm-up swing. But then, you know, the next eight holes in a row, every single drive went into the trees. Um, but when I was playing the other day, we were on hole 12. So the last hole we were, we were able to squeeze in. And my clubs are shit. All of my clubs. I'm a lefty, so it's incredibly hard to find lefty gloves. And if you do find lefty gloves – a club sorry it's like one of six out of 300 at like a dick sporting goods and the only lefty clubs are like top of the lines so they're like a thousand bucks or whatever so all of my clubs i got from the dump uh for free then, <laughs> i'm just i just picturing you like going through the town dump looking for golf clubs <laughs> no well well because my dad worked for the uh his old his old he's retired now but when he was working he was he was always wait, working what you're wait, you actually got your clubs from the dump I'm. You thought I was kidding? Yeah, I did, dude. This is I'm like a, the, I'm a hundred percent serious. When you when you make the tour and you retire into the Hall of Fame, that has to be in your Hall of Fame speech. No, no. So, because I mean, we've played hockey our whole lives, and like everybody who plays hockey that I know also golfs. They're either good or they're bad. It doesn't really matter. But the fact of the matter is, they golf. So I always had a pair of, club, of clubs. I got them when I was like 11. It was a starter kit. It came in the green bag. I got it from Dick's Sporting Goods. And man, I used that until I was like 15. At 15, I was like, I don't know, 5'10", using clubs made for like a 12-year-old. And like I, it was, I had back pain. I'm hunched, like I'm mini golfing. I was hunched over. So my dad, he, one of the, duties of his old job was he was also in charge of the local uh the local transfer station the dump and when he was there if god forbid somebody actually got rid of lefty clubs he would grab them for me because i needed new clubs i'm now you know standing over six feet tall and i'm still using these tiny little clubs so he would just grab what he would find and one day he came home with a full set of left-handed irons that somebody threw out as well as a driver. My clubs, they're all Wilson's. They're from like the early 90s. In fact, and I showed you the tag, they all still have the price tag on them from Play It Again Sports. Whoever yeah. bought my clubs bought them for $34.99 at Play It Again Sports. They then decided to throw them out at the dump and my dad took them. And that's what I've been using. I have three drivers in my bag. They're all from three different decades, I'm willing to bet. Uh, half of the balls in my bag, I've just picked up out just outside of the driving range, so they have the little double stripes on them. And I get by. I mean, I'm fine. But I get by. Where, where the story was going was when I was playing with my friends over the weekend, we were on the 12th hole, and uh, I, I – like crispy shot right into the woods but i was like that's fine i could see it i could play it i was maybe a hundred and 120 130 yards out from from the hole so i was like all right i'm gonna break out my six iron here watch this and i was there with connor if you watch your eashl streams he's the dope that streams with us every thursday <laughs> and i was like watch this like no warm-up hopped out of the cart went up and i just i killed the like one of the most beautiful swings you've ever seen if you squinted your eyes real hard jack nicholas like that's what i felt like <laughs> up there. and as soon as i hit the ball it was like it was like a, a ching like a like a metal noise like i just 
walloped a fence, a yeah. chain link fence with a baseball bat. And I was like, what the hell? What's that noise? And I was looking up and I was like, oh my God, the head of my club just flew off. And I almost no. killed our buddy Ryan because the head of my six iron went flying at 400 miles per hour right towards his head. And I was like, that sucks. Like that was the best shot I've had all day. And of course I just murdered my club. And then uh, like, we're playing, we're playing, <laughs> we're playing. And I, I, I think I dropped the ball, hit it into the woods, dropped another ball, hit it in the woods. I was like, screw this, man. Like golf sucks. I hate the sport. So then I was just like bringing my shit down to the car, which was by the green. And wouldn't you know, my ball that I hit was like three inches off the green, like right there. I Wait, freak, I, the, 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 the one that you broke the club on? Yeah, dude. I, no. Had, no, I, I had no idea how I hit that. And then I went and I <laughs> four-putted it. <laughs> no. <laughs> but it was it was fun. It was a good time. But dude, uh, didn't didn't you get your first par too? I did. Yeah, you my did. first hey. par in my entire life. It was we playing. Thank you, thank you. When I go golfing, I usually go with my buddies Connor and Ryan, and we always hope and pray that there isn't a, a you know a walking random guy who wants to play with us. And this time there was, but he was like the coolest guy, and he was so chill. And he was he was an older guy, but he's like the kind of older guy who just like goes up there and just rips it, and every single hit was dead on straight as an arrow and here you come with like me and connor and you know connor the guy's a buffalo and we're up just <laughs> ripping the ball like 400 yards in the air into the trees and we're like ah, we'll get the next one the guy had no idea i had like 30 balls in my bag he was like i i kept hitting it on the other fairway and he's like you want to go play that and i was like don't even worry about it man i got four in my back pocket i'm just dropping them <laughs> all over the course but the one that i hit the par on it was like 120 yards it was super short and uh i like purposely like positioned my body because i have the lefty slice so it goes straight to the left and i was standing almost perpendicular to the tee box like i was almost facing entirely to the right and it had this huge curve went right back and went just over the green right into the rough behind and then i had the most the, the sauciest little chip you've ever seen it went right up in the air and boom and it stopped and it died right on the green like four feet from the hole and i was like listen i've done enough i mean if you ever go down to the cape i'm a regular at uh pirates cove you know what I, mean? I go to skull mountain yeah. like i go mini holiday hill i'm mini golfing all the time there's one thing i can't drive i suck with my irons i can't really chip sometimes i can putt but right now i was feeling it I went, I went up there and i freaking sunk that thing and that guy was celebrating with me i said listen man I'm, 20, I'm like i'm 24 years old I've been like half-assed golfing since I was 12. And would you believe me if I told you that this was the first par I've ever had in my entire life? And this dude looked at me in my face and said, yes, I can. And that was when I knew I suck at golf. But it was fun. Dude, that is so awesome. When you like, like, like you said, like I've been golfing forever. So when you have those moments of like, wow, I've never done that before. Like, like you finally get that shot and it's nice and crispy and it goes where you want it. There's nothing like there's no better feeling, dude. And now, you know, that feeling it was I, it, I can't even tell you how satisfying it was to write that little three on my score, because usually I'm writing it six and up. I mean, if I get a five, <laughs> I'm I'm over the mood about that. That was the first time I ever did that, because then I texted you and Boosie and Brett to let you guys know I just got a par. And of course, nobody believed me. Uh, frankly, <laughs> I don't I don't blame you for not believing me. So then I had to send you guys a voice memo describing in detail exactly how the shot went down. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. What did you do for your Labor Day weekend, though? You worked, right? Uh, yeah, oh, wait, 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 wait. Before you say that, I wanted to say 
on recording, I want to wish you a very happy belated 26th birthday. It was this Monday on Labor Day. Happy birthday. Here's the 26 more. Hey, I, I hope I get more than 26 <laughs> more. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, well, here's to at least 26 more. Here's <laughs> to 26 more. 52 years old, you're checking out. <laughs> Done. But, um, yeah, dude, thank you. It was good. Um, I, like you said, yeah, I worked uh, Sunday and Monday, but I got out early enough where I was able to do things for the rest of the day. Um, went out to get hibachi for the first time, actually, in my entire life. First time getting hibachi. It was did, very, did very good. Did they do thing where they spray the, what is it, sake in your mouth? They tried to, but I didn't know that's what he was doing. So when he sprayed it, it just kind of like hit me all over the chest and the shoulders. And I was like, I was like, what is he? I was like, like, what is this guy doing? Wait, was he using? Was he using the little the thing that looks like the kid taking a leak too? Yes, yes. It's funny because I took a video of that moment too, and I sent it to Meat Man on Twitter. So if you want to go check it out, if you can go to my profile and go to media on my videos, and it's literally a video of the fire, and then the guy turning around and spraying it, and it's just going all over me and i'm oh like what is happening but it was good um 26 years old now uh, i'm on my own insurance and my frontal lobe is now fully developed so i am now a full adult that's last time we recorded it wasn't fully developed yet so no. this is exciting i can't wait to see what we talk about today i'm a, my, my, about the world economic forum yeah my my vocabulary is going to be very very pinpoint <laughs> Oh, there you go. You're already starting. I mean, look at me right now. I'm drinking a glass of wine. Who am I? Who is this guy? <laughs> oh, my hey, God. But um, let's, I mean, let's jump into some Bruins talk. Um, <laughs> obviously, captain's practice started today. So that was kind of nice to see, you know, all the guys together back on the ice. And one little thing, a little nugget that you saw and all the people who were there, the pictures they posted was the new logo at center ice. Um the obviously the centennial logo, the yellow uh B with the black spokes. It's beautiful, dude. It is so beautiful. And I can't wait to see September 16th when they drop them. I can't wait to see the jerseys, dude. The jerseys are going to be so, so, so sexy. Is that the logo that they've had as their uh their Twitter bio? Yeah, that's a nice looking. So um, I'm confused. Are they releasing? Is it three new jerseys? I know. Listen, we've they the Bruins released all of the detail about their jerseys months ago. And you and I have had this conversation about four different times. And we're still confused as to how many jerseys the Bruins are dropping. Yeah, I think if it if I had to guess, dude, I bet they do like at least eight or nine. I bet they're going to have one for each decade. That's you how I'm thinking do. about it. They should do 82 different jerseys. <laughs> a different jersey for every... No, actually, I was thinking how they could fit 100. I don't know. Well, they can't do warm-up <laughs> jerseys anymore, which kind of sucks. Yeah. Hopefully, they make it to the Stanley Cup, right? That would equate 100 games if they can make it that far. Yeah, it should. But I don't know. But, yeah, no, it should be cool. Um, especially with that new logo, it looks pretty crispy. But it's just cool when teams pay homage to their history. I mean, I know what they're the second oldest team, the NHL, the oldest North American team, um, and especially coming off the season that they just had last year. I mean, we've talked about it before. There's a lot of things to look forward to this year, and this is just one of the many things on top of the pile. But I'm excited for not just 
the jerseys and the new logo and everything. I'm excited too to see who's going to be coming back. Like, you know, think of all the Bruins legends that are probably going to have some sort of role in the season this year, whether it be waving a flag or dropping a ceremonial puck or whatever it is. They already brought Tim Thomas out of the Batcave. I mean, we haven't seen him in a decade, and now he's all over their social. If they can bring Tim Thomas back out of hiding, who knows oh. who they're going to draw up to bring out the center ice? Dude, Tim Thomas, if he shows up at the Garden in person, he is going to get the biggest ovation. Like, oh and it's it's it not only because obviously he's a legend, but because he's never been back to Boston. He's never been back to the Garden, like since he since he left. And people are just ready to jump out of their seats to see him, dude. You know who I want to see? If the, okay, here's a question: If there's one Bruin from Bruins history you could see come back. Who who would it be? Just one. Yeah, I mean you can I mean, give me a few, but if there's any that sticks out to you, dude, I want Ray Bork. I want to see Bork, dude. I want Bork there and and present all season long if he can be. Obviously, he can't be, but I would love to see Ray Bork. You know who? I want to see Marco Sturm. Marco Stern. All right. <laughs> Wait, was that serious? Was that serious? No, not really. But I used okay. to be a huge Marco Stern fan because he was number sixteen in his goal in the Winter Classic against the Flyers to win. Yeah, I was dude, well, for that. But I was like, gonna say a handful Boychuk. of players. Johnny Boyd would be cool. I was like, Marco Stern would be cool. Miroslav Satan would be pretty cool. Of course, Hannu Toyden would be awesome. They should bring back. Um, Tell Todd Angelou to just take the year off and have Malcolm Subban sing every single sing national anthem. Um, you know what would be cool? Although I think it would be cool. I think most people would be against it. If they brought back Joe Thornton and he That'd just like cool. popped in. I mean, I know like he's been in the league for like 20 years or whatever, or 23 years. And like 80% of those are with the San Jose Sharks. But he got a start here. That'd be kind of cool. Like, just bring everybody in, man. Everybody had a role in this franchise. Dude, you know who I want? Who? Give me right now Rene Rancourt. Oh, Rene Rancourt. I need him. I need him. What is he up to these days? Hey, I tried on his Stanley Cup ring at FMC Ice Rink in Hopedale, Massachusetts, like 10 years ago. I have a picture of it on my phone. Nice. That was the very that was the very first day of work I yeah. ever worked. Rene Rancourt was there. And That's I insane. met him and tried That's on the first his Stanley day Cup. ever. First day ever. When I first started FMC, because they, they opened, like the week I joined, they opened a new rink in Hopedale, and they needed help, so they were bringing in staff members from other rink, other rinks, and, and like me and like Dan Coughlin and uh, Daryl went. And I was giving out skates, and in comes Renee Rencourt, and I remember because he was wearing a, a vest underneath his suit jacket, an American flag vest, and he was wearing the Stanley Cup ring, and he was just letting everybody try it on. If I was smarter, I would have just, I would have ran off he's not catching me come on no. but <laughs> no, i got a, i got a, a pretty cool he was a really cool guy i got a pretty cool picture with him but i mean there's so many players from past and present even like reporters like it, it would be cool if Catherine tappen came back and like and did something with nesson and like stuff like that like there's so many different people in so many different levels of this organization even media wise that have yeah. played a role in the fabric of this franchise and i want to see it all i want to see all the festivities this year dude give me naoko funayama she no, was the, she's she on was channel the five best. now. I just she, saw her today, dude. She's the best. Um, she was the best. The Bruins, I, the Bruins, Nesson has actually had a, they've had a lot of really good ringside reporters. We've been blessed. It sucks that none yeah. of them really last that long. They kind of have a revolving door. Um, 
but I hope they can do something where a bunch of these old people come back because they're just as important to this franchise as some of these players are. I mean, the way that they would cover this team, like my, the foundation of my hockey memories are like Jack Edwards, Catherine Tappan, Nauco, like their coverage of this team. It would be cool to see them incorporated in some way or another. Yeah, dude. Like I remember distinctly just like obviously growing up with that crew on Nesson, uh, Catherine Tappan, Nauco Funayama, Jack Edwards, Brick, Dale Arnold, Billy Jaffe, like all those guys, they're just as important to the, culture and the foundation of this team as the players in the front office guys are. Oh. i mean they're the they're the people who we tune into every night i have to tell a story real quick story and it's not my story it's i was i was with connor walker down the cave this weekend and i was talking to his dad and his dad was telling me a story about how he was at a wedding and uh he bumped into andy brickley and oh, no. he didn't even really realize it was Brick, like he was doing his own thing. And and Brickley was like, hey, do I know you? To Connor's dad. Connor's dad was like, oh, my God, like, I don't know. You, you might. And then he was like, I don't know. Like, you look really familiar. Like, are you like, do you work in Boston or something? And he was like, oh, yeah, like I worked in Boston doing this for like 35 years or something. He's like, oh, I feel like I know you. Like, I'm Andy Brickley or whatever. And, and Connor's dad was like, yeah, I've I know who you are. What the hell? <laughs> and, he, and he said that Brickley was like the coolest guy, like so down to earth. Um, like Connor's dad, because Connor's dad was there for a wedding. And he was like, come on in, come on in the wedding and like grab some drinks, man. Like come kick it for a while. He's like, no, I don't want to impose. I don't want to impose. But he said like he was such a good guy. Like he was so down to earth, like just like chit chatting with people. And like you can tell that when you're watching the game, I feel like. But I was like, no way. Like you bumped into Andy Brickley and he's the one who said he recognizes you. Like what yeah, that's odds of that happening? That's insane. So did he did he find out how he thought he recognized him, or was it just by being around Boston all the time? I, I don't know. I mean, it Mr. Walker has a pretty recognizable face. I feel like if you saw him, you might you know, remember him. He's, I mean, he's a, he's a big guy. He's a goofy guy too. I mean, if you know, Mr. Walker, I mean, you know, Mr. Walker. Yeah. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if Andy Brickley had like one, he met him like once in fleeing in like the nineties and Mr. Walker was just so iconic that he was like, I'm never going to forget this man. And then bumped into <laughs> him at a wedding like 30 years later, but no, I don't know. Uh, I mean, he worked in Boston for a while, so maybe they crossed paths, but I just thought that was a funny story. Yeah, dude. Um, we're kind of skipping over the big news of the day. And I don't know. I, dude, I don't know why this got me so excited. But ever since the news dropped, <laughs> I've been like, I've been I mean, amped up, dude. Listen, I've been amped. I know we said that there's no way the Bruins are going to get 65 wins again. But after this news today, dude, I dude. mean, I don't know. Did you just find your Bertuzzi and Bergeron replacement? It's funny, dude. It is funny. That you said, okay, before we jump into it, we're talking about the one, the the only, the king, he's returned. Danton Hyden is back. Oh, in, yeah. Well, he's, he's not officially back. He signed a PTO. So he there's a chance that the Bruins sign him and keep him for the, obviously, for the season. But speaking on him and Bertuzzi, uh, I believe, yes, it was Ty Anderson. He put out a side-by-side comparing um, <clears throat> Bertuzzi and Heinen. Um Let's see. They averaged just about the same time on ice per game. Um, Bertuzzi had a couple minutes more, but goals per 60, Tyler Bertuzzi, 0.79, Danton Heinen, 0.88. So point to Heinen. Um, let's see here. Total assists out of 60, Danton Heinen, 1.07, Bertuzzi, 1.26, point to Bertuzzi. Um, primary assists per 60, 
Bertuzzi, 0.72. Danson Heinen, 0.72. Even split. Wow. Um, secondary assists. Tyler Bertuzzi, 0.54. Danson Heinen, 0.36. Point Bertuzzi. Total points per 60. Tyler Bertuzzi, 2.05. Danson Heinen, 1.95. Um, shots per 60. Bertuzzi, 7.47. Danton Heinen, 8.56. So, I mean, when you're looking strictly analytical, they're pretty similar. They're pretty similar. Analytics-wise. I, I think they should give him the A. I think they should give him the C. <laughs> oh, my gosh. The only man <laughs> who could fill Patrice Bergeron's shoes, or skates, I should say, is Danton Heinen. Yeah, but, no, I mean, no I, I, I mean, I love bringing him back. I remember when they, they traded him, was that for Kashe? Because mm-hmm. I really liked Danton Heinen when he was here. I thought that he had – I mean, I know that the production wasn't always there. I know uh, his first year with the Bruins, he had 16 goals, 47 points, which is honestly great numbers for a 22-year-old kid playing 15 minutes a night. Followed up with 11 goals and 34 points, 10 goals and 26 points. But I always thought – like, he, he's a skilled player. I always thought you could get more out of him. And I thought he played great on uh, Pittsburgh when he was there. I don't think it was was that last year, or the year, or he was there for the last two years. But the first year he was there at Pittsburgh, career high, eighteen goals. He had thirty three points. I mean, he was making plays over there. Um, and I mean, I, I like them bringing him back. I mean, even though it's just a PTO, um, I mean, I hope something comes out of it. I mean, he's twenty eight years old. I think he, you know he obviously still has a lot left in the tank hockey wise. Um, you know, he's a could play center you can play left wing you know the Bruins might have some holes um you know in that position I know that their fourth line don't know what it's going to be third line don't even know what it's going to be not that Danton Heinen is a fourth line player but I mean if you can you know squeeze a lemon get a little bit out of Danton Heinen I mean why not let's see what he can bring to this team yeah dude well it's funny too because so so he wasn't traded for Kasha he was traded for Richie but it was like that oh my god even better right so he also played for uh, Jim Montgomery at the University of Denver for two seasons. It was 2014, 2015, and 2015, 2016. He played 81 games, and he got 91 points under Montgomery in, in the NCAA. So there's – I mean, I wouldn't say it means a lot. You, like, don't put too much weight behind that. But him and him and Montgomery are already, some, like, familiar with each other. He probably understands the kind of systems that Montgomery likes to run in, and he thrives in it, apparently. So if you can see Montgomery and Heinen kind of, you know, find that chemistry again and figure out each other and what works for one another, then why not even give it a chance? Why this is, I think this is the best PTO the Bruins have signed all offseason. I don't even think it's close. This, and I was shocked at the end of the year when he didn't even get picked up by anybody. Yeah, I didn't even know that he was out there. I, I saw <clears throat> you you sent us a message today saying, like, Dayton Heinen in all caps. And I was like, what the hell about him? And then somebody <laughs> sent a tweet saying that, you know, that the Bruins tweeted that they've signed him to a PTO. And I was like, what? He's just been out there kicking around? Like, I didn't even know Dayton Heinen was an option to sign for a PTO. Um, but, no, I mean, they have some questions on their bottom six in terms of who's going to be in and who's going to be out and even who's going to be on what line. And I think that Dan Hine and just another name to add to the mix. I mean, if is he going to get a contract and play games with this team? We still don't know. But, um, I mean, there's no doubt in saying that this PTO offer, if they are to sign Dan Hine and he makes the team better. I mean, he's a good player. He can play center, he can play left wing. And uh, and also, they do still have Alex Chase on. Don't forget yep. about that PTO as well. So, yep. you know, it, there's it's 
it's felt like at times the Bruins this offseason have kind of had to scrape at the bottom of the barrel to get some of these players. But I mean, Dayton Heinen, Alex Chason, some of these guys that can come up and make in the minors right now that can come up and make an impression on this team. I mean, they still have some good pieces. So um, I don't know. I mean, what do you think about, about Dayton Heinen? Do you think uh, it's realistic that the Bruins are going to sign him and he can have some meaningful minutes this year? Or do you I'm, think this is more of just like a courtesy thing? I honestly think that they have big, uh, big, big, what's the word I'm looking for? Big hopes, I guess, for Heinen. For Heine. Big I mean, aspirations. Big aspirations. Look Maybe at me. It's I that 26-year-old brain. I was just going to say, I told you earlier, my frontal lobe was fully developed and I was going to be breaking out the vocabulary and I'm already forgetting words. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, I mean, if you can kind of, if you can find a way to keep Heinen here and he and they decide to sign him after the PTO, your bottom six is going to be good. It's going to be a good bottom six. Like, I think for Heinen playing a full schedule, he could probably put somewhere maybe – you got to think he'd be playing third-line minutes, right? You're not going to stick him on the fourth line. So I'm thinking at least 35 points, dude, playing alongside guys like Geeky and maybe Frederick or even Lauko. So if he, if he plays third-line minutes at left wing, what does that mean for – JVR. I mean, if you envision having Trent Frederick as your second line left wing and you, I mean, is there a competition now for that third line wing between like, is JVR seeing this and going, Oh shit. Or like, what do you think that means? I don't know, dude. I think the, uh, not even lying outside of say Morgan geeky and one of, no, I'll say outside of geeky and Frederick. And you could throw JVR in there too. I think JVR could be playing top six, but we'll say, Outside of Geeky and Frederick, I think those other spots are all up for grabs. I don't think anything is solidified yet. I think they're going to all go into camp, and they're all going to be fighting for those spots. And I, even with Lucic, I don't think that spot is guaranteed. Like, if you want to play and you want to be in that bottom six, then you're going to have to prove it over these next few weeks that you deserve a spot, you earned a spot, and you're going to be in the bottom six come come whatever the day is, like whatever opening night is. I don't know what day it is, but um, I I don't know, man. I I like it. I really, really like it. Speaking of that bottom six, if they are to sign, first of all, who do you think is more likely to get an offer? Do you think it's Danton Heiner or do you think it's Alex Chason? I was going to ask you the same question. I want me to do it. <laughs> I think probably – Danton Heinen is more likely to get that contract. Yeah, I would have to agree. The photoshops of Heinen in the Bruins jersey look so convincing as well. I don't oh. know if you saw him on Twitter. I have, dude. They're so clean. It's like it's it almost looks real. People get so fast on that too. The news just broke, and they're already people are already taking time out of their day to Photoshop Danton Heinen of all players in a Bruins jersey. It's crazy. <laughs> I just I don't like that. I got that tweet notification from the Bruins, and I was like, I was looking at it, and I was like, um. This has to be like the Petrov Maguire account, like like just trolling <laughs> from like the tweet from years ago. And I looked at it and I was like, no, this is today. This is real. Oh Dan's my God. It's coming back. <laughs> Speaking of, of Petrov, the, the tweet that always gets me, it always gets me, is when he tweets the picture of uh, Brian Gianta 
doing yes. this, doing like the drills, and he's like, "Holy shit!" He's like, "I remember, <laughs> I remember when the Bruins, when the Bruins first traded for uh, Tyler Rattuzzi, he tweeted the video of Brian Gianta like doing like the just the choppiest crossovers, like the worst looking <laughs> seen. And he was like, first look at Tyler Rattuzzi in a Bruins practice jersey, and I was like, "Oh man, like." <laughs> I was like, this is the guy that's putting us over the top. Like, Jesus, he looks like hell out there. And I didn't realize he was that short. Yeah. And then it, he's done it like three times and it keeps on getting me. But um yeah, no, I would I would I would pick I would pick Heinen over Chase on as well. Did you see on uh, on Instagram the uh, the Bruins little get together for AJ Greer's uh baby announcement? Yes, congrats to the Greer family. Baby boy Jeez. coming. Did you see the video of uh, when he oh, – it was such a sweet moment when he was cutting into the cake to reveal uh, the gender of his baby. And whoever was recording – it might have been Swayman. Whoever was recording the video, you could see in the mirror behind AJ Greer the reflection of all the Bruins players who was with him. And you could see when he cut into it and it was a, a blue cake. Like the, uh, McAvoy was there. Uh, there were so obviously swimming was there. There was a couple other people, and they were all like, "Yeah, yeah!" Like fist pumping and like all hugging <laughs> each other because AJ Greer was having a boy. I thought it was a cool moment, but it's really gonna suck when he's cut. Yeah, <laughs> well, I don't, I don't know, dude. Now he's gonna have some dad strength. So that's true. We, we might see preseason Greer all season. <laughs> oh my god, he's not a good dad though. I I can't even get through that sentence without chuckling. Um, <laughs> but. I mean, that's basically the news for the day. Um, Danton Heinen, uh, the, the the logo at Warrior Ice Arena. So I think, I mean, if you're good with it, we can jump right into the DMs. And I know we got a voicemail as well. We did. That's like the, that's the news of the summer right there. That's the, 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 the we've had four good pieces of news this summer. Yes. Uh, Trent Frederick arbitration, Jeremy Swayman arbitration, Bruins accidentally like leaked the new logo on center ice at warrior ice arena and uh danton heinen got a pto yes, yes. and it's we're funny. back baby 65 wins is back on well, oh yeah it's funny you said that because i forget what i said earlier but on twitter i said um i could like before the heinen signing i could not see the bruins e- equaling or surpassing the 135 points that they got last year and now that they have heinen i think it's a given that they're gonna get it at least 140 right it's 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 a near guarantee i mean the fact that this guy was out on the open market i mean christ dude it's like he was kicking around out there it's it's uh, it's insane and that just goes to show that you know some people just don't pay attention to the waiver wire because this is like as if the angels just left shohei otani out there for free i mean when i think of the greatest purchases transactions in the history of of the world i mean Number one, think the, number one, gonna be like the Louisiana purchase, or that's like uh, number that's five. Exactly what I was gonna say. It's it's between the United States buying the Louisiana purchase. I think you can even throw up Alaska. Yep. And then right behind there is the Bruins giving Dan Hine a PTL. I mean, I don't know. And even then, I mean, that might be higher than the Louisiana purchase if we're, if we're being totally honest. And you gotta think too, without the United States buying Alaska. We would never have Jeremy never, Swayman. Yeah, we would never be able to claim Jeremy Swayman as an American. Or, or Deadliest Catch. That would be on Russian TV. We wouldn't it even would be. be able to watch it over here. You, I mean, they would. I mean, Russia would block that out. The, the, the Alaskan king crab market would absolutely plummet. Yeah. 
I mean, yeah. think of all those cruise, the Norwegian cruise line, they go right up to Alaska. Not anymore. Those are international waters now. You can't, right. you can't even get close. Putin's right. shooting you down. The show alone, you would never get that without Alaska. So nope. this is, Alaskan this is all, gold. this is all the things that Danton Heiner is, Danton Heinen is better at. It's I mean, more this, valuable. It just shook the fabric of American history. I mean, this is going to be did. a textbook someday. I mean, only if the Bruins can, you know, they they give them a, a deal after the PTO. But I mean, still, like this is this is monumental stuff we're talking about here, which is why we're all so excited that sixty-five wins is back on. If they don't give him the PTO, it's going to be the biggest blunder in the in the his in literally the history of the world. If they don't, you know, extend I mean, him, I'm having trouble thinking of anything that would be more catastrophic than Danton Heinen hitting the open market again. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I could give examples, but this episode would get taken off the airwaves. So we'll just leave it at that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah. So listen, <laughs> listen, listen, Don Sweeney, Cam Neely, rest of the front office, Jeremy Jacobs, open up your checkbook, buddy. We got a, we got a perennial legend in eight the years. hockey world. Eight years. Eight, years. eight years. eight years. And, and some sort of letter better be on that Jersey. Yeah. And, and not oh, just man. the letters on the back. Give him a give him a letter in the front. That's right. Other than a B. Yes. Right. Yes. That's also very true. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait till I turn twenty six and my frontal lobe can be fully developed. Dude, I'm telling you, I woke up this morning and all I saw were math equations going across, <laughs> across my eyes. It's like the Zach Galifianakis meme from The Hangover when he's like, dude, like long division and all this crap is going across in your head. You're like yeah. Iron Man. You can like, dude, Jarvis, you can like tap in and start seeing shit through your eyes. Well, I mean, that's what eyes do, but you know what I mean. <laughs> I, I feel like Albert Einstein, dude. I feel like oh, I can solve God. any problem at any point. I mean, you know, what i heard that they're actually they're, they're re-editing that clip from oppenheimer where einstein's hat falls off and when kelly murphy walks up and turns it's actually just it's you <laughs> did you see did you see that movie yeah i did all right how about the scene when the car pulls away and albert einstein is just standing across the street i was just <laughs> talking about that with ryan and connor when he's having i don't want to ruin the movie for anybody who hasn't watched it but oppenheimer yeah. is having like the most just the worst conversation you could ever have. And he's like at the end of his, uh, like the walkway up to his house, he's standing on the curb, like talking to this very important person who just gave Oppenheimer this terrible, terrible news. Who And it's, it's dark out and they finish the conversation, car closes, taxi pulls off and across the street, the entire time has been Albert Einstein. And he walks out of the darkness and he's like, you'll know sometime. And he gives like this super inspirational quote or something. <laughs> It wasn't meant to be funny. Dude, it wasn't meant to be funny, but as soon as that happened, I don't want to say I burst out laughing, but I definitely <laughs> chuckled hard. And all, all the memes that came out of that movie, like at the end of uh, Avengers uh, in Infinity War, I think was the first of the two, when it was like, oh, like so-and-so will return. And at the end, it was like, the bomb will return. And there was one that was like, Albert Einstein will return. And all that shit. <laughs> Funniest Dude. movie. It was the most unintentionally funny scene that I probably I've ever seen in a movie. My whole it was life. it was between that one and definitely the hat scene because they set yes. up like you had like I mean Albert Einstein is like one of the most important and famous people in like the history of humankind. I mean, who the hell does know Albert Einstein? And it's this like very poetic scene where like 
Killian Murphy, who plays Oppenheimer, is like looking out the window and he sees this old man like looking into like a pond. And you're like, wait, I think that's Albert Einstein. And he when he walks out in like his trench coat. And these are like and like when you think about it, like, these are like the two like most influential, the two smartest people in like the history of a generation talking to each other and Oppenheimer is walking up to him and all of a sudden the breeze comes and, and just blows Albert Einstein's hat off and it tumbles across the grass and he's like <laughs> going to pick it up. It was the funniest shit ever. And then that with the scene we just talked about when he comes out of the darkness. I mean it it was borderline comedy. They oh, should have it should have been up for a comedy award at the Oscars. Dude, it, it was I mean all jokes aside though I love that movie. No, but, it was actually really good. Um yeah so let's jump into the DMs here. Um this is Wait, do you want to do the voicemail first? Yeah, let's do the voicemail first. All right, so we have one voicemail. A little suspense on the DM. Oh yeah, yeah. Where if you were on Twitter today, you might have you might have saw me tweeting with him. Oh, my roommate Mike just said, "Can I join the pod?" <laughs> yeah, sorry. Uh, he's uh, okay. We got a voicemail from my friend Tom. You can follow him on Twitter at Red Sox Tom Thirty. Uh, he called and left a voicemail. Let me find it. Oh, I also suck at playing these things because my fat thumbs can't. The buttons are too small. Hang on, hang on. Okay, here we go. This is what he said. Hello, Nick. I hang on. I didn't put on speaker. <laughs> All right, this is what he said. Hello, Nick. It's Tom um, uh, from Twitter. So I do have a couple uh, takes for you uh, here, starting with uh, Charlie McAvoy. I do believe that. Uh, he stays healthier or relatively healthier this season. He goes play over 75 games. So he finishes with a stat line of, say, 78 games played. Give me 15 goals and I'll say 55 to 60 assists. Uh, just about a 75-point season. Um, I do think that Brandon Carlo and uh, Grizzlies are both uh, rebound uh, from, I'll say, underwhelming seasons. As a matter of fact, I'll even go as far as saying uh, Grizzlies will find a contract extension and stay in Boston long term. Uh, I do believe that Marshawn still has a couple of 75 to 80 plus seasons uh, well within him. I know that a lot of that is just uh, regarding the departure or retirement of uh, Patrice, but I do believe that he still has a couple of uh, big seasons left with him. Uh, I do think he can get to 1,000 points and eventually make a Hall of Fame and obviously have his number five. Long live the rat. Uh, also, Mason Lorai, Fabian Lysel, and Georgi uh, Merkulov, they are mid-season call-ups and they make immediate impact. Uh, as well as some of the five installs in the lineup. Uh, I do believe that uh, some of the signings that we made uh, will just eventually wither out. That's no disrespect to anybody that was signed, um, but I do see that those three make uh, a good impact from the club. I really like uh, what I see from Fabian myself. I know that he didn't have the greatest training camp or not training camp, but uh, the greatest end to last season of Providence, given the concussion. Uh, obviously, Yorgi Merkulov, first time of the team. Um, I do think that he's set up to so turn heads in training camp this year and make the team. Uh, Mason Lorai, I mean, I haven't really seen much of him outside of some clips at uh, Ohio State, but he seems to be the real big deal, so uh, I'll take that. And uh, I do think that he makes the lineup and pushes Griffith down to the third pairing eventually at some point. And lastly, I do think that Jeremy Swayman uh, overtakes Linus Olmark this season for the starting job. Uh, I even go as far as saying that if the Bruins are in a position where they are dealing some players, I could even see Linus Olmark being dealt 
to the right place or to the right team for the right place, and the Bruins are with the hands of Mitch Scanlon and Dusty Barnfoy. I love Linus Olmark. I love him to death, um, along with the guys there, of course. But uh, you know, I mean, I just think to replicate what he did last season would be, be very difficult, and um, I could see a. Uh, a little bit of a, a rollback. I won't say a regression or a fall from the grace, but uh, a little bit of a rollback. But uh, thank you very much for uh, taking my time. It's for questions. I appreciate that. I hope you have a good day. Red Sox Tom. Red Sox Tom, baby. Listen, first I want to say thank you to Tom for giving a call. Tom and I have a mutuals on Twitter for, oh, my God, probably since I was in high school, dude. And uh, we've been in a, quite a few fantasy leagues together. Just want to say, Tom, I was, I think I won the, the fantasy baseball championship at a league that we were in together. So suck on that. Um, but he's a good dude. He tweets a lot about soccer. I mean, it's not soccer, baseball. Sorry. He does tweet about soccer sometimes, though. Um, so definitely give him a follow. But he had a lot of takes there. Um, the hottest take, I think, was uh, what do you think about Swayman overtaking Linus Olmark as the number one goalie of this team at some point? It's funny that he mentioned that because I was kind of thinking about that today. Um, it's it, I agree he's not going to be able to replicate what he did last year. And Jeremy Swayman, I mean, he didn't have, you know, his numbers weren't too far off of Allmark's. If Allmark came down to earth a little bit last year, then they would have been almost neck and neck in their stats. So it's a good problem to have. You're going to have two goalies who are – who are very capable of putting in a good season. And in terms of overtaking Olmark for the number one position, I mean, what does that mean? Does that just mean he plays more games than him? Um, does it mean he gets the majority of the starts? Or is it going to be another season of, say, like, I don't know, we'll go 50 starts for, for Swayman and what's that, 32 for Olmark? I don't know. I'm Something like that. Yeah, that would that would that would equal eighty two. But like, I don't know. I can see them putting up similar games played again. Maybe Swayman gets an edge over Allmark just because he's playing better. Um, but yeah, there's a lot to unpack there. I could see him getting dealt as well. It all it all depends on how the season goes and and <laughs> where the team is at and all that. Um, but if Swayman does end up having a fantastic season and Bussy is playing out of his mind in Providence, then it opens the door for a trade for sure. Yeah, I mean, I think I mean I'm in the boat as well as I think a lot of people are in the boat that Swayman is going to be the number one goalie of this team at some point. I don't know if it's going to be this year. It might not even be next year, but at some point, I believe the Bruins front office as, as well believes that he is the goalie of this team in the future. And he's like five years younger. You just said his numbers uh, comparatively to Linus Olmark last year, who had a historic season, were honestly not that far off. Um, I don't know if it's going to happen as quick as next year he'll overtake number one. But like for me, when I think of a number one goalie, I think it's more than just, um, you know, getting more starts than the other guy. It's getting the starts in the big games, getting the starts, yes. you know, coming down the wire into the playoffs, and most importantly, getting those starts in the playoffs. I know last year, Olmark started, I think, like four games and absolutely shit his pants, whether it's his fault or not, because he was hurt. Um, he has, I think, what, eight career playoff games now, and he's like two and six or three and five. It's not good. It's not, not good. It's not, it's it's not, not good. good. Um <laughs> But I don't know. And then, and then thinking about, you know, trading Linus Omar, I know that they were pretty heavy rumors that they were trying to ship him, potentially had a deal in place with Pittsburgh, a draft night for, with, with Linus Omar involved. So it looks like maybe that has already been an idea that's been floated around in the, uh, 
in the Bruins hierarchy in their offices. So I don't know. But how do you feel if the Bruins were to trade Linus Omark and roll with Jerry Sleeman as a number one? To Tom's point, how confident do you feel with uh, Brandon Bussey coming in here as your number two goalie? Um, depends, depends on how he plays this year in Providence. I mean, if he's putting up good numbers again, I would feel a little at least decent. I would like to see him get NHL games in, though, before – you know, pulling the trigger on something like that. Yeah. But to get away from Allmark and Swayman for a second, he also mentioned Charlie McAvoy having a 75 point season. Yeah, dude. Ooh, I don't know, man. That would be unbelievable. But I mean, he, his career high in points is 56, and that came in um, 2021 and 2022. Last year, he had 52 points. That's a giant leap up to 75. Yeah. I mean, I first of all, he has to stay healthy. Uh, right. You just mentioned he played 78 games a couple of years ago. That's the only time in his career he's played over 70 games. Last year he played 67, but we know that he missed a big chunk to start the beginning of the season because he had surgery. Um, I think 15 – honestly, I think 15 goals I think is doable. I think yep. he can get around 15 goals. Um, but it's the points. I mean, I I, I don't think there's going to be as much off, especially comparatively to last year. There's not going to be as much offensive production, firepower from this team. So it's not going to be as easy as it was last year to get those assists. Um, I know if you were, I mean, if you were to play a full 82 games last year, I think he could, he, he would have definitely beat his 56 point total. He had 52 points last year in 67 games. Yeah. Um, again, I mean, he was playing with one of, if not arguably the greatest team in the history of, the NHL, at least the regular season record says so. Um, but I think this year to expect that he's going to uh, put up 75 points, I don't know. I, I, I don't. I think that might be the spiciest take out of the takes that he gave. But I did also want to say one last thing. He he did throw out a take on Twitter that he forgot to include in his voicemail. He said, I forgot to mention Jake DeBrusque is a 65-point player this year and gets extended to a six-year, five-and-a-half AAV, which is uh, just over 30 mil. I would, I, I mean, that's, in my opinion, a steal for DeBrusque. I'm thinking he's going to end up somewhere around maybe six and a half. But what was, what did he say his point total? 65 points. Um, let me see here. I'm just trying to. His career high last year, Jake DeBrusque had 50 points in 64 games, 27 goals. But I mean, he missed, uh, what was that, 18 games? <clears throat> and he when he was 25 or Jesus Christ I can't count he missed 18 games he was 15 points shy of what, of what Tom was it's, saying it's, it's your frontal lobe it's not developed yet it is okay. give me give me two year, two more years man I think that 65 <laughs> is more I think it's definitely more likely that DeBrusque gets 65 than it is McAvoy gets 75 and I and yes. I hope I'm wrong um but I don't I don't know I mean I think you're gonna see another level of play out of Jake DeBrusque for him to hit that 65 point mark and on top of that he has to stay healthy which is something he struggled to do in his career as well but um if he honestly if he if he's on that first line with Zaka and Marshawn I think there's a chance if he's okay. on the second line with Coyle and whether it be Frederick or JVR that left wing uh, I don't know. That might be more difficult. But then again, he would hopefully be getting more goals or whatever because he has to shoulder more of the offensive load. But I don't know. I, I still feel like the Jake DeBrus that we saw last year, I still think there's another level to his game. So The more I'm looking at it, the more I'm thinking about it. I'm actually riding with Tom on this one. If, if DeBrus can put in like at least, say, 75 games. If he can put in 75 games minimum, I think he hits 65. 
I think do he you, does. Do you think? And I think he hits the thirty goal mark for the first time in his career. Hang on, I'm just trying to do math. Like you're telling, like, think about this: thirty goals, thirty-five assists. Does that sound out of the realm of possibility for Jake DeBrusque in almost well, a full season? I was about to ask you that because if Jake DeBrusque's career high in assists is twenty-seven, he's only sco- he's only had more than twenty assists twice in his six-year career, and he's played with some pretty good teammates. Last year, he had twenty-three assists playing on the same line with Brad Marchand and Patrice Bergeron. So realistically, I mean, if looking at his averages, if he were to get because he's no more for a goal scorer than he is for a playmaker. I mean, if he's going to get 65 points, I mean, do you think he can get 35 goals and 30 assists? Because even 30 assists would be a career high, let alone 35 goals. I mean, he's going to have to have a career year, obviously, to put up a career number of points. But I don't know. I just feel like 35 goals might be a bit unrealistic for Jake DeBrus, given who's going to be on his line this year, because we still don't know if he's going to be a first or second line player. But 30 assists, I think, might also be a bit of a – a bit of a push. I don't know, man. Because he played six. Or maybe I'm just overthinking it, dude. No, well, you're not. But he missed 18 games, and he was three goals shy of 30. So, I mean, he was eight eight goals shy of 35. So, if you put in that extra 18 games, he could realistically hit 35. But I think this is where we differ because this is what we were talking about with Davis a couple weeks ago is that yep. I also feel like a lot of the production that you saw from Jake DeBrus last year, although he did definitely take another step in his game. I mean, he was playing on the same line as Bergeron and Brad Marchand. I mean, that also carries a lot of weight. And yep. I I think I put in more stock into who he's playing with than I do what, you know, another step in his game per se. And like that's why I'm saying like if he's playing first line right wing minutes with Pavel Zaka, although he's not Patrice Bergeron, with Pavel Zaka and Brad Marchand, I think that there's that there's definitely a chance he hits 65. I think there's definitely a chance he gets a new career high in goals, a new career high in points. But if he's playing second line minutes and he has to take more of an offensive load of that second line, it's like Jake DeBrus, Charlie Coyle, and Trent Frederick or JVR. I feel like unless Trent Frederick also takes another step and he's going to be putting up, you know. I don't know, 50 points or 55 points in that left wing. I think you're going to have a hard time having seeing uh, Jacob Rush set new career highs where he has to shoulder that offensive low because he's never had to do that before. I mean, last year he was blessed with playing with Patrice Bergeron and Brad Marchand, and this year that might not be the case. So I, 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 I equate that as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, so shout out to Red Sox Tom uh, for sending in the voicemail. Thank you very, very much. Um, I hope to hear more of your voice too in the future. Uh, but uh, we did get some DMs, and this is starting to become a little bit of a theme from our boy. He's sending in two-parters. So we got E2.0's two-part DM. Uh, as always, you can follow him on Twitter at Incredible Mr. E7, the legend. Um, but he asked, we'll do part one first and then part two. Part one, thoughts on supporting more than one team? Ooh, this is this is a little bit of a ace was talking about this on two pad the other day. Um, he said thoughts on supporting more than one team. I'm not talking bandwagon. I'm talking diehard supporters of multiple teams. He was born and raised in he was born and raised, excuse me, in Michigan, and he still lives there. So he grew up on 90s Red Wings hockey as and as a kid, his a bear was his favorite animal. So all the sports teams are bear mascots, Chicago Cubs. Chicago Bears, Bruins. Um, he said he's he's a diehard of both clubs, but it's like the 
but it's like the NHL. Phantom treats multi-team fans like it's taboo, especially if both are original six teams. Um, me personally, I don't think it's a secret that I'm a little. I have a soft spot <laughs> for the Buffalo Sabers. Um, but I will say his situation is a little bit unique. But I think being a diehard for two teams is a little. Um, say it. It's a little off. <laughs> when, like, you know what I mean? Like, like you, I feel like you have to have at least one of those teams that you're the diehard to. And then you can have a secondary team or a third team, but I don't think that you should be rooting for that secondary team as much as you root for your own. You know? Yeah. I mean, everybody is a fan of their favorite team for their own reasons. And that's why, like, I've heard people say before that they have two teams. Speaking for myself, I, 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 I'm not a fan of that. I don't agree. I mean, I don't agree. I'm a fan of the Boston Bruins because I am born and raised in Central Mass. My dad was a Bruins fan. His dad was a Bruins fan. Every single one of my relatives is a diehard Bruins fan. I mean, it was just like I was, I came out, I was born, boom, Bruins fan. Just a way of life, man. That's just how it is. So that's why I'm a fan of the Bruins. But on this other hand, I feel like if you have a reason, like for his reason, he's what we say, he's born in Michigan. Yeah. Like, Born in Michigan, I I totally understand you being a Red Wings fan. Honestly, being a a Bruins oh, yeah. fan because you like Bears, what? Like that was the part <laughs> that I was like. I mean, I'm happy to have you here, but interesting reason. But like I know, like I have friends of mine who um, are fans of two teams because they were born in in Boston, for example. They're a Bruins fan. Their dad is from New York, who is an Islanders fan, and they love the Bruins, but they also like the Islanders because of their dad. That like I right. get it. Like everybody has a reason. I'm never gonna say tell somebody no. You can only be a fan of one team. Right. If yeah. My if you're asking my opinion. If I'm a fan of it, I've always believed you 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 pick one team, that's your ride or die. Like I've seen people who have been a fan of one team and like they make a big trade or they lose a game and suddenly they're they're tweeting like I'm a free agent. I'm gonna be a fan. I'm picking a new team. Like, no, that's not right. Like you gotta ride or die for your team. And that's yes. why I've always felt that way. But like to your point, totally okay to have a secondary team as like uh like a, a soft spot for a team, like you said, or a team that you follow that you might have players on. Like in baseball, I'm a I'm a diehard Red Sox fan. I also like the Braves. I don't know. I like Acuna. I know they used to be the Boston Braves. There's that connection there. I've always kind of followed them, but I wouldn't call myself a fan per se, but I hope they do right. well. Like, I think that's okay. But like, I don't have Brave jerseys hanging up in my like i don't have brave posters on my wall or anything like i'm uh i I pick one team and i follow one team and i'm a fan of players and i follow other teams but i'm only a diehard for boston sports fan boston sports teams at the end of the day yeah and don't get me wrong when i say like i have a soft spot for buffalo it's not as if like they're you know it's not like the bruins are gonna play buffalo this year and i'm like oh man like like i'm not gonna root for either team i hope both teams have fun i like i hope the bruins kick their ass you know what it is? I think this is what it is. You can be a f- you can be a fan of multiple teams, but if you call yourself a Bruins fan and you also say you're a fan of the Winnipeg Jets per se, if the Bruins don't win the Stanley Cup, you're upset, obviously. But if your secondary team, like if Winnipeg wins the Stanley Cup and you're excited and you celebrate that, no, no, no. That's when I draw the line. Like yep. you're a fan of one team, you can follow other teams. If your secondary teams or the other teams that you might like win the championship of the respective league 
and you celebrate that, that's when it's like, no, no, no. Like, I feel like you have to pick one team. You have to ride or die for that team. And that's when it kind of, that's when I don't agree with it. I think the way that I think about it, right. Cause I agree with you. I'm not necessarily like rooting for them. Right. Like I'm not, I'm not, I don't have Sabres jerseys. I don't have a Sabres foam finger. I don't have Sabres shit all over my wall. I more respect their fan base. I enjoy what they did with their team. They have young studs in their system and in their lineup who I love to root for the player, but I'm not going to sit here and celebrate, say the Sabres jumping over the Bruins in the, in the division. Like you got like guys like you're telling me like, you you like you you're not a fan of guys like Thompson, Alex Tuck, Devin Levi, dude. Devin Levi might be like my favorite player in the league. I'm kidding, but he's <laughs> he's, he's he is an electric factor and he's so good. I'm in. I, I love the Sabers future and I think that they have a bright bright, you know, a couple years ahead of them. That's for sure, and I I love that for them. But I hope that the Bruins kick their ass every single time they play them. By like right. nine or ten goals. Like like if if the Bruins win the Stanley Cup, you're going out, you're buying a t-shirt, you're buying a hat, you're buying a flag, your whole personality is the fact that your favorite team just won the Stanley Cup. You're going to the parade, you're getting hammered the night they win, you're calling out of work the next day, you're telling all your friends, you might get a tattoo. You're remembering <laughs> that moment for the rest of your life. If the Buffalo Sabres win the Stanley Cup, you would probably send in a tweet like, hell yeah. And I think that right. would be it. And I think I, I that's like, where it differentiates between your team and like other teams that you like. I think that's the difference. If the Sabres won the cup, I can already tell you what it would be. It would be like, it's awesome to see a young core like this, get it done this early into their, into, you know, their, their time in Buffalo. And I'm super proud to fucking watch them do it. But that doesn't mean I'm like fucking yes, like the Buffalo Sabres on the Stanley Cup. Let's go! If if they meet up in the playoffs, I hope the Bruins beat them in three. I don't care. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah, this is yeah. what I mean. But and I think um, that's how it should be. And I don't and I don't hate anybody for doing it, and I don't fault them for doing it. It's just for me and my cup of tea. Black and gold runs through my blood. I don't bleed blue and gold. I bleed black and gold, and that's my lifeline. So there's certain levels to it. I would say you you can't you can't like you know you can't bleed both. You gotta pick one and bleed it. But part two, part two to his DM, he said, "Drums or flats with ranch or blue cheese." Great question, and I will tell you. Uh, my honest answer as somebody who calls himself respectfully professional chicken wing eater i'm just a professional eater man i can put them just anything except for blue cheese and ranch i don't like either of those so i I don't i don't (laughs) eat those with my wings i'm i'm definitely a flats man but i'm not an only flats man if i were to have 10 wings in front of me i would like seven of them to be flats three of them to be drums because I feel like you got to mix them in a little bit. Like you can't just be going like sometimes like the drums at the end of the drums when they have like the little, uh, like if you get your wings done, right? Like if you go to a good wings place, not Buffalo wild wings, although we go there all the time, you get bonus. But if you get, if you get like the drums of the wings, like at the end of the drum, not like the skinny part, the thick part, there's like the, sometimes like the little like charred chunks of, chicken meat yes. they're yes. so good they're so good but yep. if i'm eating flats like i feel like they're easier to eat if you eat them the right way i've seen people online who kind of like squeeze them and you can put it in your mouth and just pull the bone right out have you seen that before yeah yeah 
Yeah, yeah. So it's like a, uh, it's like a like a like a gogurt. Yeah. Well, no, not really. But okay. <laughs> <laughs> you could have ten. If I'm having ten wings in front of me, I prefer flats over drums. But I understand there there's there's two people in this marriage. I need. I want seven flats, three drums, no blue cheese, and no ranch. But I do need a beer, and I'm tapping in. Dude, I. I disagree with you on every single. Oh my god, you're such a piece of shit, dude. Listen, what do you mean cauliflower wings? No, (laughs) you need you you need to eat. That was such a sassy no. (laughs) (laughs) Because I I I I I'm taking this personal, dude. You gotta have say ten wings, right? Give me give me all drums. I can dip them. I can dip them into the. And, oh, by the way, it's ranch too, not blue cheese. Uh, I can dip them into the ranch and just go to town. If I have the if I have the flats, dude, I'm sticking my fingers in between the bone and the meat. It gets all messy. It gets in my fingernails. It's all over my face. Come on, dude. If it's what just do you, ticket, how do you you just, how do you, you uh, eat like a ch- what are you eating with your feet? How are you getting it all over your face no, and shit into your fingernails? I, are you attacking I, the meat, dude? Did you did you just call me a child? Yeah, yeah. Sir, you're, you're sir, I'm 26. <laughs> sir, I'm 26. <laughs> My frontal lobe is fully developed. You're tw- okay. Well, then maybe that's why you were getting chicken under your fingernails. Now that your frontal lobe is developed, maybe you'll be able to eat chicken wings right. Because first you're, of all, maybe that's you're why you're telling me different. no. You're telling me you don't get like sauce underneath your fingernails every time you eat a flat. No, I'm not. What are you doing eating? What are you doing eating it with a fork and a knife? (laughs) I'm eating it like a civilized person. I'm not clawing at the meat on my plate. I'm I'm not. That's clearly you're not as hungry as I am. (laughs) (laughs) This brother's starving. (laughs) No, well, I also recognize that I don't eat blue cheese and uh, and and. You're telling me you just you're telling me straight up you just don't eat just blue cheese. (laughs) I don't I don't dip my wings in anything. So whether it's a flat or a drum, the the honestly I've what you go you go naked. You don't add any. You don't add ranch or blue cheese. Nope. Oh my, you are time. on the wrong side of this debate, my friend. You know what it is? I don't. I'm not a fan of like creamy stuff, <laughs> like, like ranch and blue cheese. I just, I've, I've never been able to get past the thought, the thought of mold and blue cheese, and I hate ranch. I don't like ranch at all. I like Italian dressing, but I'm not going to be dunking my, my my wings in Italian dressing. But I've always. Say- I will what? agree with you. Blue cheese. I don't. I'm not the biggest fan of blue cheese. I will agree with you on that part. Yeah. I mean, I. If you're going, if you're going for sauce, I mean, I understand that it's easier to dunk a wing in like a little cup of sauce. But does a, I mean, I think a flat has more surface area. No, I mean, would that not be better for holding, for holding sauce on it? <laughs> Did you just go cross? <laughs> <laughs> no, dude. Because the thing is, <laughs> the thing is with the. <laughs> yeah, I'm crossed up on these. I'm crossed up on these freaking chicken wing takes from you, dude. 
If you take a drum, you can dip it in the freaking ranch. I don't eat ranch. That's your so problem. That's why I'm giving you my answer. And if you're <laughs> dipping wings in ranch, how are you getting chicken under your fingernails? You're an because animal. You gotta, because when you eat it, you got to break the flat apart. Oh, my God. Are they, like, locking you in a prison cell and giving you food once a week? Why are you so hungry? Ravenous <laughs> clawing at your chicken meat. Every time I go to eat chicken wings, I have to bring like a spare shirt because every time I rip over a flat, the sauce goes all over me. I have like a I have a half shield visor coming down because I don't want it to get in my eyes. You gotta wear like like goggles or like those glasses people wear when they're when they're in like a tanning booth to cover your eyeballs so you don't get any sauce. The way that I eat chicken wings is the same way Joey Chestnut mounds on hot dogs. <laughs> That's all I can picture now is stuffing wings down your esophagus. <laughs> you know what I you know what I do like with my wings though? Only if I'm getting hot wings, I like celery. The carrots and the celery are very underrated when you go oh, wings. Oh yeah. They smack. I've never been able to to understand people who don't like celery. Grow up. It's, it's literally just yeah, get your frontal lobe developed. It's, all it yeah. is is water and, and crunchiness. It's really yeah. actually like really good. Ants in a log? No. Hey. Now we're talking. What is that? Are you kidding me? No. What is ants on a log? Dude. What is it? It's, it's a it's celery, and they put peanut butter in the middle and raisins on top, and it looks like. Oh, ants get, get out of here! Get out of it! Raisins are the worst thing in the world. Oh my god. They oh. suck. Have you ever? I used to only like the raisins from Raisin Bran. Because they were coated in sugar. I used to pick them out and eat them. We used to get the little raisins in the, like the little red boxes, and it would just, it would just, it would just like, I would eat them like the same way I eat nerds, right? You open up the nerds and you just kind of like, you just kind of pour them in. What do you do? Yeah, you, you, you know, you go like that. <laughs> and you just you know pour them in. This is the last thing I'll say. I hate the only, there's only one, really only one food in this world that I despise, can't look at. It's disgusting. And that is anything yogurt covered. It is like yogurt, yogurt covered raisins. Ugh. You might as well just kill me. Those are Ugh. disgusting. The aftertaste, they, when you hold them in your hand and it's like a hot summer day and they start melting Ugh. on your, oh my God. Just talk about stuff that gets under your fingernails. <laughs> God. Just throw the whole body throw the whole finger away at that point <laughs> throw the body away <laughs> this episode is off the rails actually what a tangent. This, this episode is off the rails and it's about to get even crazier because we have a brand new segment that we're bringing to you right now um it's called randy's random inquiry and my, my brother andrew is coming on and he's gonna ask a question and we're not going to tell you what the question is, but he's going to come on. You guys will hear him in a little bit. Um, I don't even know what the question us. is. Yeah, Mel doesn't know what the question is. I, I don't even know what the question is, but he has it all prepped and ready to go. So he's going to come on um, and ask us the question, and we'll talk through it. And it will be a fun little little segment. And I don't know if it's hockey-related or not. It could be, like, the most random thing. I mean, it's, ran it's Randy's random inquiry. So oh, my God. <laughs> I guess we'll see. So um, <laughs> as we as we go, um, let's welcome into the show my brother, Andrew. Randy's 
show andrew uh the first edition of randy's random inquiry on the something's brewing podcast um probably gonna end up becoming a reoccurring theme on the show but andrew what's up i know you were on a couple episodes early and i know you have a uh (laughs) a random question for us yeah uh so i'm not bringing any any substance that has to do with the nhl or the sport Ah. of hockey at all (laughs) okay Uh, just for those at home my brain most of the time is on autopilot, which is good. It helps me in those situations. But some of these times, like the one I'm about to present, it's, it works because I think of these ideas. Uh, so flashback a couple of weeks ago, I'm by the pool with uh, my good friend, Andrew Baroni. It's me, his older brother, and his dad. And we're just talking. And I say, I got a question. They all look. <laughs> Who would win in a fight? 10,000 elephants or every crab on planet Earth. (laughs) (laughs) And now I turn the floor to you, (laughs) gentlemen. What is wrong with you? I wish I knew. <laughs> just nothing like prompted you to, for that question to pop up in your head? Well, no, I was thinking about elephants, and then I said, <laughs> "Why?" I don't want to explain it because I don't want to give you any any inkling on which way to lean. But there was rationale behind my thought. So I, oh this isn't about God. me. This is about you. Who who is walking away from this fight? <laughs> well, first of all, how many ten thousand elephants? Is a, lot, a lot of elephants. That's a lot. Well, of first elephants. of all, well, first of all, we have to discuss where this fight would be. It mm-hmm. couldn't be in a building because that would collapse, right? Under the sheer weight. I mean, Way how many, many how many, how many well, pounds is th- ten thousand elephants? Well, I yeah, think also, you every- couldn't fit. You couldn't fit every crab in the world in a room. Right, and you gotta think too, like all the crabs. You gotta think of this. Think of the scene where all the crabs in the world are just storming out of the ocean, <laughs> all up to like ten thousand elephants. <laughs> Can you imagine that? All right, we'll oh say we'll say for this for this scenario, the fight is in like an abandoned town because I think that's all. That's the only way you could fit all of these creatures in one. <laughs> It's like a city the size of like what Worcester. You need like Could you fit Dhabi. ten thousand elephants in Worcester. No, I don't, I don't think so. If they're shoulder to shoulder, maybe right. You can pack them pretty tight in there. If they're if they're from trunk to butt, probably not. <laughs> you don't need <laughs> to be equation. Well, hang on. Can crab crabs? Can they live out of water? Like I know you can take them out of water, but. Yeah, they, they might be fighting. A... They might be fighting two different elements here. They're fighting elephants and God. I mean, if they can't breathe when they're out of water, <laughs> well, who does it matter if they're fighting if they're going to be dead anyways? But when you're talking about crabs, hang on. Well, let's think about this because they have hermit crabs, which, I mean, mm. I could kill a hermit crab, let alone an they, elephant. They elephants have, they have, just uh, wa- they have. Mr. Oh my crabs. god! There's so much to unpack with this question. First of all, he's not. A, thousand... He's not eligible in this. <laughs> oh yeah, that's true. There's a thousand different kinds of crabs, right? There's hermit crabs. There's uh, your soft king, shell crabs, king, king crabs, crabs, right? Those things are monsters. Coconut um, crabs. If you've ever seen one of those. Oh my, Amelia Earhart, coconut crabs. Yeah, she yeah. she lost to the coconut crabs. <laughs> <laughs> 
so there are crabs, but you also have to think about the sheer, <laughs> the sheer size of elephants just walking around. They're probably going to kill them, mm-hmm. you know, so at least at least a couple thousand. Could I throw in a tidbit that I thought you guys would ask, but you hadn't yet? I'm going to throw in something to, for you to consider. Okay. Um, uh, a rough estimate on the internet suggests that there are 16 billion crabs on <laughs> So 16 billion crabs against 10,000 elephants? (laughs) Wouldn't the elephants just, like, stomp them out? Couldn't well, they, they could stomp them and throw them around with well, their it trunks? depends. It depends how they attack. If they all if they come in like a massive wave and maybe they stand on each other's shells, I mean that's a wall of crabs coming. Yeah, out. you're thinking. I'm thinking World War Z for these crabs. You know, like the tidal wave going over the walls. And listen, if you're an elephant in like the third row, right, and you're watching your buddies get drowned by a tsunami of an assortment of crabs, I don't know how brave I'm gonna be going forward. <laughs> I don't, don't know. Elephants, if don't elephants have really tough, uh, tough skin though? I mean, yeah. Like, what, what are could, the crabs gonna do? Well, here's the thing: they do, but their their feet, million. their feet are surprisingly sensitive. I know a lot. I took an <laughs> elephant class, and <laughs> their feet are like little drums. Like they're hollow. They can sense things. Um, but yeah, I mean, you got to think. Once these crabs start jumping on each other, they're going for the eyes. They're crawling in the ears. They, they might a few might, you know, wrangle themselves oh. inside the trunk. They're gonna just oh my god, Olympic. I don't know though, dude, because if you're talking ten thousand elephants, if you have a bunch lined up next to each other, and even if the crabs are jumping up and crawling up the elephant, you could they could just swat them with the trunk and then step on them, right? It is think, sixteen billion though. That's, that's a lot of crabs. Yeah. yeah. Each elephant would have to take down a hefty few. But but if if the battle's in the middle of a town, the crabs are significantly weakened if they're out of water, right? I mean, you gotta you gotta take that into consideration. And hermit, I, like of those sixteen million crabs, I would be willing to bet that at least four or five million are hermit crabs, and those things suck. I mean, they do absolutely nothing. <laughs> Just elephants walking around alone would take out a couple million of those. There are definitely going to be crabs that aren't going to be worth worth the afterthought. Horseshoe crabs? I mean, what are they good for? They can't do anything. The horseshoe literally, crabs don't do anything. They're literally not nothing. Yeah. <sighs> Unless they're like armor for the hermit crabs. The hermit crabs are all underneath the horse. Crab, like the Trojan yeah. horse. And then all of a sudden you just Trojan unleash horse them crabs. all. Well, they do <laughs> have the stingers at the end of their butts too. Yeah. They do. I feel like there's a way for the elephants to do this. I feel like the only way, the only chance that the elephants have is if they maybe all laid on their side and, and like rolled around. Yeah, and that way so. they could they could crush a bunch of crabs. Like their a feet. steamroller? Yeah, and their feet would be protected, but they would have to obviously get together and discuss their plans for battle before this war starts. And I just don't know if they have the mental capacity to do that as as an elephant. But crabs, on the other hand, if their whole strategy is just crabs, 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 there's just like billions upon billions. Imagine 16 waves of one billion crabs coming out of the like, like, like just the, coming the ele- out of the ocean. It's like when you're playing zombies on like Kino and like you think that you're mm. finally done, but it's just the end of the wave and now you're on wave five and the dogs are coming. Like it's the same thing. It's just a wave of crabs. The elephants, I mean, they probably lost a couple thousand in the first wave. They got 8,000 left and the crabs got another 15 billion on the way. Like I think that there's something to be said there of just overrunning the elephants mm. with masses. I think Mel's got the right idea. I think so too, because what would it take for a crab to take down an elephant? Like what one crab can't, 
but a right. million crabs? No, a billion crabs. crabs. Yeah, you could. You realistically, you could. I don't know what the math adds up to. Whatever, sixteen billion. Let me do it real quick. Well, what about 16. what about like ecological warfare? Like, do crabs carry diseases? Could they infect the elephants or anything like that? The elephants could even just take a. They could. This is gross, but they could pull an airlines thing and just take a dump and build a there wall. There you go. There you go. What if? What if the elephant? took a bite of a crab and, and and cut its mouth open on a shell and got an infection i mean that's 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 a long, a, that's a long con i mean that's a that's long a long game yeah that's a, a long, long con but i mean it's gonna take a while for all the crabs to arrive anywhere they're on every corner of the world and there's a whole so, bunch. i'm like imagining i have, deep I have like done the map like normandy <laughs> this would be world war three if it was elephant <laughs> <and> crabs <laughs> so the math says that every elephant has to defeat 1.6 million crabs. <laughs> I don't know. No. no, but but here's the thing: like an elephant could definitely do that, so long as the 1.6 million crabs aren't all coming at once. You know, like if it was like one crab every couple minutes, that I mean that would that would be decades, right? I'm, shit, that'd be a really long time. But but I mean, I feel like there's too much strategy involved on either side here. But I have to go with the assumption that neither of them have any strategy whatsoever because they're they're animals, and I would think it would just be like a big all out brawl, and like sixteen billion, like the sixteen it's billion crabs so could crap. probably wipe out Boston. Like, do you think we could survive oh, yeah. that? Well, no. that actually that actually and we're not even animals. I don't think we could survive that if if, if sixteen billion crabs stormed Boston all at once and they you, had like a you gonna do? a battle plan. <laughs> Yeah, you can't do anything. Well, <laughs> the elephants have a better chance than we do. Or, I'm I'm putting a dome over this city and I'm turning the heat up and I'm steaming it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm having myself some dinner. Yeah, there we go. Well, that leads to my next question, actually, because I'm not going to say which Baroni family member said this, but one of them <laughs> said that given a situation where they were alone in a city with 16 billion crabs, they would emerge victorious. No. So, <laughs> assuming that you're the only person in, say we were in our hometown, right? And you were the only person there and there's 16 billion crabs and their mission is to destroy you. Can you win? No. No. I, I would... <laughs> Oh my god! Like two coconut crabs alone would probably kill me. <laughs> what if you could like immediately have three objects? You don't need you don't need to buy it. You just have them. Any three objects. What would you pick as your object? Gas. I would pick a. That's huge... a bad pick. Gas. Terrible. Like Listen, gasoline. You could just go to go to Shell. Oh, pun. crab pun. <laughs> <laughs> But you could just burn them all, or some of them at least. Why wouldn't so, you pick like a flamethrower? That's what I was thinking. Gasoline. That's a good point too. All right, I'll pick a flamethrower. All right, I a would... flamethrower, a giant net, and and you have bad picks. That's gonna be a really <laughs> big net for sixteen billion crabs. <laughs> just running around. Get over here. <laughs> oh, there's another one. Oh, there's another give one. A, here's another give one. A, give me a flamethrower. A big net and a machete, and I'll emerge victorious. Oh, what would you bring? I would, what would you? Bring? I would do flamethrower. I would get a steamroller, and I think oh, I better. would get. Oh. Hmm, I would that's get one. 
Yeah, steamroll. Like a like a Gatling gun. Oh, you're looking at it all wrong. You would ha- I would get a scuba suit because the, like the old one with the big head so they couldn't attack. Oh, from the SpongeBob movie. <laughs> I would get uh, an excavator and um, <laughs> and maybe some lava, and I would dig a big moat around our city <laughs> and fill it with lava. <laughs> And I would wait for my dinner to come to me. Mm. I wouldn't even yeah, need the scuba good. suit. I think, I think, to, Andrew, what, you said steamroller. A um, flamethrower and a Gatling gun. Yeah, that's good. I think the steamroller. <laughs> this dude is said gasoline. Thing. I said, yeah, I wasn't thinking correctly at all. Yeah. You also said a machete. You had chopped two billion crabs with a machete. <laughs> I would be dead so They fast. have shells too. And you would dull it out because you'd be having to hit it on the ground because they're so small. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, I like the steamroller. The steamroller is probably the best one because you could just drive around the you city. Drive over them, yeah. And just run them all over. Yeah. All right. So I think I would pick I would pick elephant in the battle though. I think elephants would. I think the elephant would win. You think the elephant would win? Yeah, I think ten thousand elephants would beat the crabs. I can't believe you just listened to everything we just said and you picked an elephant. Yeah. You this guys come from the man who thinks he could defeat sixteen billion crabs with a machete, though. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think sixteen. Before I even knew what the number was, you uh, we were discussing that this could be a a. a a comeback win by the crabs, but 16 billion of them. That mm. is an obscene amount of crabs. Yeah, and we're not mention. just, we're not just talking like little blue crabs. Like they have the big Alaskan King crabs. Sure. They have hermit crabs, but those are pests. Like the, the elephant's going to be real sick and tired of having to stomp on those. All the- and they're going to get sore feet. They're probably going to have to take a break from stomping on all these things. And as soon as they crouch down, their eyes are done. And there's just too many crabs. And I mean, if do they crabs, stack, do crabs sleep? Because no. elephants have to sleep. Oh my god! They can just I'm, attack them when they're sleeping. Right, time out, Mel. How did you? There's no way you know whether or not crabs. Sleep. <laughs> <laughs> the answer to so crabs sleep? No. <laughs> not these crabs. I just googled it. It says crabs do not sleep in the traditional sense that humans and other mammals wow. sleep. In- instead, they have periods of inactivity in which they rest and conserve energy. During these periods, crabs may remain standing or lying down depending on the species and their environment. So you know what? They're a lot smarter than we give them credit for because what if you have 16 billion crabs and they all just stop and they're and they're acting like they're asleep? So the elephants might go, okay, now's uh-huh. our chance. And they take a break and then all of a sudden, they're dead. They're Sneak done. Attack. Pinch it up. I don't know. I'm, so, I'm taking almost, the crabs. It's almost like uh, like it, and then when we were Neanderthals, well, not the three of us, but like a long time ago when there were Neanderthals and they were killing woolly mammoths, and it would be like a whole bunch of them with spears and like rocks, and they would just like throw it, and they they would eventually kill them, and like that was just like seven or eight dudes with like some slingshots and a and a sharp stick. Like if you have sixteen billion crabs, like and they're just relentless going after elephants who aren't even as big as woolly mammoths and they don't even have fur. Like I feel like that would be a recipe for disaster if you were an <laughs> elephant. Like I don't know how you can't pick sixteen billion crabs unless unless we take into account that they're out of water. Because if that's crabs right. are out of water for too long, they would they would probably die. But then that's just think, not fair yeah. because if the fight was in the ocean, the, the elephants would die anyways. They yeah. would lose. Th- so in quick. this situation, they have to be coming out of some sort of harbor. I think these crabs. <laughs> <laughs> 
or the sewers. They have to emerge from some body of water. <laughs> what if oh, they're all wearing God. a bunch of little mini uh, like tanks like Sandy from Spongebob with water? <laughs> <laughs> that brings the Mr. Krabs aspect in again. He's their, like their king. Imagine they is all come cannon? out of the water and he's like king Krabs. Mr. Krabs is on top of like a wave of crabs that's coming out of the ocean. Mm. Oh my God. They should have one king crab, like one Alaskan king crab who rules. <laughs> <laughs> And if you right. beat him, you win. It's like chess. <laughs> they just so, sing, they, they send out their best fighter. <laughs> so Mel has crabs, Andrew has crabs, and yeah, I, I have the elephants. Crabs. Are they allowed? I, wait, to call I, don't, I don't have crabs, but I do. I have crabs. Like could are they could they <laughs> like could they call friends? Could the crabs call on the other no. crustaceans? No, that's off limits. Lobsters would be too powerful. Oh my god. I'm looking at the Japanese spider crab. Apparently it's the biggest crab in the world. There's over 5,000 species of crabs. If you have 5,000 variations of 16 billion of something, that, I don't know if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, they got like special ops. Yeah, they got <laughs> have the Navy seals of crabs. <laughs> <laughs> the Japanese spider crab can grow up to 16 inches and weigh 42 pounds. Oh my god. That's a small pounds. dog. That's like a normal dog, actually. And eat from claw to claw, so like <laughs> the width of its of of its arms, I guess, it's they can reach over 12 feet. Oh that's, a great, that's, a, that's a great white shark. Oh my 12 god. Feet? What yeah. is this? Wait, what is Show this, crab this crab? Says, The Japanese spider crab is second only to the American lobster when it comes to sheer mass. It's extremely armed thanks to its exoskeleton, which protects it's it from natural predators such as octopus. <laughs> and it serves as an effective form of camouflage. We didn't even consider camouflage. I mean, the sneak attacks are endless. It says the larger-than-life spider has the greatest leg span of any arthropod, and from claw to claw, it can reach 12.1 feet in length. Oh my god, dude! Oh, that's oh my that god! Looks like my, that looks like a like an ATAT from Star it's, Wars. It's <laughs> on, that okay? If those things are coming out of the ocean too against the elephants, I might have to switch my team. I, it might be it. It's crabs. Crabs win a hundred percent. Yeah, oh my that's god. insane. It's not that even. That is close. a juggernaut crab. When you ask this to Baroni's family, what what were their answers and their reasonings? Uh, as the conversation went on, similarly to this, it became crab, except for the one individual who thought that they could de- defeat the crabs. Was, was that Andrew? I won't say who it was. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it, the, the rest of us agreed that it was an insane, asinine take. I still can't believe we were talking about if you were alone in a city and 16 billion crabs were coming, what weapons would you take? And Sully's first weapon was gasoline. <laughs> it's like, all right, let's see. You don't even have a lighter. You're just going to be pouring it on the yeah. ground. Gasoline and lighter. You have three objects. My first two were gasoline and a lighter. And then a machete. You could have used tough. a flamethrower as one. That would have been so much more practical. I could have taken like a plane that drops fire. I chose gas, like a little gas tank and a oh, lighter. Oh, dude, how did none of us take a tank? <laughs> like a cherry can. <laughs> yeah, it's tiny. It's tiny. Imagine, like the aerial view of like 16 billion crabs. Like it's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> pouring gas on the ground. Crabs. 
with the red with the red jerry can in one hand and machete in the other. Try and get me now, crabs. Try and get me now, crabs. <laughs> oh god. Oh my god. Uh, well, Randy's Randy's random inquiry. The 10,000 elephants versus 16 billion crabs. Um, let us know what you guys all think. And, make a poll. Um, oh, we will make a poll. Oh, my God. Mm. Yeah, we're going to make a poll. Um, but, Andy, um, yeah, this is probably going to become a weekly segment. So keep that brain spinning. It's spinning always. <laughs> do you want to do, do you want to plug your show? Yeah, you want to? Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Talk about talk about this, Andrew. All right, so, so everybody on the Something's Brewing podcast, you're getting the first ever, um, you know, in- inquiry on the, on the podcast. Just go there for you it. go. So uh, low, for anybody low. who uh, is a fan of the New England Patriots and the NFL and football in general and enjoys conversations like this one uh, – a show coming to primetime productions by the name of the Dropback Podcast, hosted by myself and my friend Andrew Baroni, who may or may not think he can take down 16 billion crabs, <laughs> will be dropping very, very shortly. I'm actually – we're recording one right after this. So keep your eyes and ears open and, you know, go Pats, go Mac Jones. Hell yeah, baby. Nice. nice. Yeah. Wait, well, so, so- – Wait, hang on. So when is the uh, when are your guys going to be dropping new episodes? It changes depending on uh, the week when like the Pats game is. If it's like a Thursday night game, Monday night, Sunday night, we have a whole schedule. We'll be we'll be sending it over to you in a, in a little bit. But sweet. Yeah. So it's a weekly thing. Awesome. All right. Well, Randy, thanks for your first edition of Randy's Random Inquiries. And we're looking forward to the next one. I'll be waiting. (laughs) (laughs) All All right. See ya. Hell of a question from Randy. We talked through that thing for a while. Um, But Randy's random inquiry, hopefully that becomes like a weekly thing where he comes on and... um, He's a, just spews his nonsense. He's the most unique dude in the world. Like his brain is always firing on the most random cylinders, and, it, and these these kind of thoughts just pop up in his head all the time. So to kind of bring it to the pod live and and talk through him is going to be fun. He's but, one of the the more he talks, the more you can understand how you guys are brothers. Like right, it's it's yeah. unbelievable. <laughs> you guys are freaking hilarious. Somebody somebody asked me the other day if we were twins, and I looked at them and I was like. I'm. I have the darkest features. He's light. Well, what are and you talking about? Your frontal core, whatever is developed. Yeah, his dude, still isn't. I, he's still a couple years away. Yeah, even though he's smarter than me, but we're not going to talk about that. Um, <laughs> but, but before we before we uh, let this episode go, um, we did get two more DM questions. So let's see here. We'll talk through them real quick. So this one comes in from Jason Larade. You can follow him on Twitter at caper underscore j. He said, what's the chances of Boakfast having a breakout year and earning a middle six spot? Not very high. I don't know, dude. I kind of – it's – I like the projections of him as a fourth-line center. I like him in that spot, dude. Um, It kind of solidifies – 
your your spine down the middle. Um, he's a good. I think he's a good. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Reliable forcey. Um, is he gonna have a breakout year? I don't think he's gonna have a breakout year. Um, looking at his stats right now, Jesper Bokvist. Um, doody 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 do. Jesper Bokvist. His highest point total in his career is. Um, let me see here, really quick. His highest it point is total is twenty three. Yeah. Yep. Well, and that was. Oh, my screen just reloaded on me. <clears throat> that was a uh, 2021-2022. Yeah, 2021-2022. But that was also in only 56 games with the New Jersey Devils. But Yeah, but um, last year he had 21 points in 70 games. I mean, I, what would I, you consider breaking out? Yeah, no, I mean, I, I definitely think he's a talented player. I mean, have back-to-back double-digit uh, goal seasons playing uh, under 12 minutes. and Well, he played 13 two years ago, but, uh, you know, he doesn't get big minutes when he was in New Jersey. Um I think he's going to be a great fourth line center. I yep. think he's going to be the glue that holds that line together. But it's 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 hard to break out and have uh, a career year when you're getting fourth line minutes, playing with probably different, well, definitely different wingers throughout the season. But I, re- I mean, it's going to be hard. I think for him to get any sort of consistency on his left wing and right wing. I think the only stable, only lock I feel like on that fourth line is Bokvist at center at this yeah. point. Um, and I think just because of the outlying factors, which of course, as we already mentioned, getting those limited minutes on the fourth line and limited opportunity, I think it's going to be hard for him to break out. But I mean, I do think you're going to get good production out of him in, in the role that he's going to be playing. It's weird because the devils took him in the second round, 36th overall um, in 2017. And I'm just kind of looking through his, his, time in Sweden before he got drafted he didn't put up crazy numbers I mean I don't think if say this was NHL on on PlayStation and I was drafting I would be looking at this guy's numbers in the second round and be like nah we can get him in like the fourth or the fifth well like, yeah he like his last year before he got drafted he played 51 games he only put up 35 points um the year before that he played 23 games put up 13 points it's not like he was lighting up the world um at any point during his playing career I don't know what breaking out would look like. I mean, if you're saying breaking out being more than 23 points, maybe. But, I mean, he's going to be playing alongside guys like Lucic and freaking... AJ Greer. Danton Heinen. I don't know. Hey. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, my bad. Danton Heinen is playing first nine minutes. Fuck, my bad. Danton Heinen's new nickname is the Louisiana Purchase. The Heine. <laughs> the Heine. Um, no, I mean, but I mean, he's he also didn't really get much of an opportunity in New Jersey either. I mean, you know, looking at those, I mean, Jack Hughes, Nico Heischer. I mean, they just got Timo Meyer. Does he play center or is he a wing? Who? Timo Meyer. Wing. No. Well, either way, um, I mean, he's a skilled player. He's a Swede, like you said. So right off the bat, good two way. Um, he's also extremely gentlemanly and explains good sportsmanship as he finished 39th in the league last year in the Lady Bing voting. Um, but no, I mean, I don't know what a breakout season would look like from from Bokvist, like you said. Um, I mean, if he gets, I mean, he had back to back 10 goal season. If he if he puts up 12 goals this year and 25 points, those are two career highs. And I'll consider that a huge success for a fourth line center. Um, so I don't know. Well, I mean, I guess we'll see what he does, but either way, I mean, I, I think he's a good player and I love having him on the team. He's a great signer. Just like to bring it back to the draft thing. 
and this is kind of related to the next question, but Brad Marshawn was taken in the third round, 71st overall. So, I mean, who's better? <laughs> Am I really about to ask this question? Who's better, Marshawn or Bokefist? <laughs> I mean, I, well, hang on. I mean, I don't think it's as easy as an answer as you think. Oh, really? I mean, how high did, did Brad Marshawn finish in the Lady Bing voting? Did he ever finish 39th or higher? Probably not. Not after he licked dudes. <laughs> well, I think it's real close, but I think I'd have to give the edge to Brad Marsh on here. I think so, too. But that, <laughs> leads, us, that leads us into the next question. So uh, this comes in from our guy, Zach Taranko. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at Zach underscore Taranko. Um, also, a wait, 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 hang on. Is he? I was right about to say, I thought I saw yes. his Twitter bio. He's going to Q. Hell yeah, man. Yes, Listen, this cool champion just got another one, baby. Happy to have you on board. Um, so he, the, the fellow Bobcat asks, um, in your opinion, could we see Marshawn have a big season points wise, maybe even get close to a hundred. If you're asking ESPN, they're going to tell you flat out. Hell no. They're going to tell you 46 points max. If you missed last episode, that's what ESPN had his point total projected. Ridiculous. At. But does he get close to a hundred? Um, you know what? I'm going to say he puts up 88 this year. I say he puts up 88 points. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think he's definitely going to have – I think he's going to go back to Brad Marchand. I think he's going to have a big year. I think he's definitely going to have more than 46 points. Um, I mean, last year he was just about a point-per-game player. I don't think he's going to hit 100, um, but I think he's going to be somewhere in that 80 range as well. You said 88. I'm going to say 80, 85, just over a point per game player. Again, this is the first time he's going to have a new center in like a decade. So I'm interested to see how that's going to work out with whether it be uh, uh, Zaka or Coyle. We also don't know if he's – honestly, if he has pasta on his right wing, maybe. 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 But I don't think that's going to happen. I think your first line is going to be Marshawn, Zaka, and uh, DeBrusque. And if that's your first line, I think you're going to see uh, the old Brad Marshawn come back. I think he's going to be above a point-per-game player, but I don't think he's going to hit 100. Marshawn has hit 100 points once in his career, and it was dead 100. And that was 2018-2019 when he had 36 goals and 64 assists. Last year, he put up 74 points in in – 73 games so i mean it's not like he took a step backwards unless i'm reading something you're reading it wrong he had 67 oh that was his that was his penalty minutes my bad my bad yeah (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's what i said it out loud i was like wait 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 that's not right but i mean 67 and 73 is still good um Mm -hmm. but yeah i say i say he'll I just, I'm sticking 86 to 88. That's my my range. Yeah, and I mean, and I mean, he's he's healthy this year too. I mean, he did that last year, coming off of double hip surgery, um, playing with everything that was going on with the team last year. I mean, this year, you know, he's had an off season to recuperate and to rehab. He's going to have be he might have a C on his chest. He's going to have a different role with his team in the past. I mean, I don't know. You could see him return. I mean, he's definitely not going to get a hundred. I don't think it's I don't think it's asinine to think that he, there's a shot he could get ninety. I know he's only scored over 90 points once in his career when he had 100 points, what you just mentioned. But um, I could, I, I, I think he's going to get somewhere between 80 and 89. I still think he's going to get 85 points this year. That's perfect. Yeah, dude. We're, I, I'm liking that range. Um, but, yeah, hey, shout out to all you guys for asking the questions. Um, E2.0, Red Sox Tom for the voicemail. 
um, freaking Zach Taranko and Jason Larade as well. Thank you guys so much. We appreciate that. But I mean, hey, loaded episode today. Um, we're gearing up for the regular season. It's right around the corner. I said, I said on Twitter today, I haven't been this excited to record an episode in a while. I think you can hear it in our voices too. Like we know <laughs> we're we're right there. So we're oh my god, we're I, I'm ready to go. I'm all amped up. Um, Dan Heinen got us fired up. Danton, who would have thought that Danton Heinen, that move would have been the one to fucking get us going? Like, who That's all it took. It's been a That's slow off season. It has been. And then we get we get the biggest news of the century. Danton Heinen, yeah. PTO. This gets, dropped, this gets dropped on our laps. He's not even he's not even on the team officially. But I mean, just I the fact that just the fact that he's thrown on that B again gets us all. The Louisiana purchase is back in Boston, baby. The Louisiana purchase is back in Boston. Um, but. Yeah, dude, we're we're excited for the season. I can't wait. This is if you're if you're talking like you know like a TV show. This is season two of Something's Brewing. So we're we're at season one. We'll we'll mark uh, last episode. That was the last episode of season one. Season two, episode one of the Something's Brewing podcast starts today. The Danton Heinen episode, dude. Um, Oh my God! Let's go, dude. The season's right around the corner. The team, I, the team is gonna surprise some people. It's gonna be a fucking oh, it's gonna be so much fun to, to watch this year. I'm um, fired up. I'm fired up, dude. But yeah, maintain with us on social media so you can keep up with all our antics. Um, Randy's what did I? Randy's ridiculous inquiry. Randy's random inquiry. I forget what Randy's, I called it, but Randy's rambunctious inquiry. Something like that. It's a double <laughs> R. Some something like that. But, um. With that being said, dude, episode 57 of the Something's Brewing podcast. Um, if the podcast was an age, 57, their frontal lobe is fully developed. And by your count, we, the show would be dead because you're only giving me another 26 years on this planet. So, yeah, well, I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're going to live to a year 100 at least, the very least. 26 no, years from now, I'll say here's to another 26. And we'll just cool. keep it going for eternity. I'm going to hold you to that. I will be there. All right. All right. Hey, episode 57 of the Something's Brewing podcast. As always, you can follow our Twitter account at Brewing Something. No G at the end. Um, you can follow myself on Twitter at underscore Mike Sullivan. You can follow Nick on Twitter at Nick Melanson underscore. And I want to remind everybody that we are brought to you in partnership with the one and only Primetime Productions. You can follow the media account on twitter at primetime prods and we will catch you guys all on social media keep interacting keep having fun with us that's the best part of social media i love talking to everybody on there um just don't be a dickhead if you're a dickhead i'm gonna be a dickhead right back to you so if, if yeah it happens, yeah if, if if you catch Flat a stray from me drums. yeah if you catch a stray from me it's just know it's your fault yeah. so um but with that being said, episode yeah, your your episode. brain is fully developed. There's probably yeah. isn't. It's right. Oh, I'm yeah. It is. You gotta add. Um, you gotta add that to your arsenal, baby. Yeah, fully. Every time somebody tweets some shit at you, you check their bio. You see, you know their age. Up, oh, they're 22. Listen here, bud. <laughs> Listen here, buddy. Everything you're thinking is just not right. You're not thinking clearly. Your frontal lobe is not. Well, has your developed brain fully yet. developed yet? Like mine. 
Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> everybody knows everyone in the South has a fully frontal developed lobe. Exactly. Wow, I fucked that up. Hey, anyway, on that note, this just cut it here. Note, <laughs> yeah. Episode 57 of the Something's Brewing podcast. Shout out to all of you guys, and let's have a fucking great hockey season this year. Stay tuned with us every week for a new episode. And um, the show's better when you guys integrate your thoughts and your opinions into the show. So don't forget to call our voicemail. Don't forget to DM us questions, reply to us on Twitter. Anything you guys want, we're here for you. So this show is run by you guys, not by us. Um, Without you, we would not exist. So shout out to everybody listening, tuning in, hanging out with us on Twitter and whatever. So episode 57 of the Something's Brewing podcast, and we will catch you guys all next week. Bye. Andrew, did you see what happened today? What? Danton Heinen. Danton Heinen? He's coming uh, back. Okay. That doesn't do much for me. <laughs> Danton Heinen. <laughs> Banner's back on. Yeah. We're fucking back, kid. <laughs>